which Miami Hurricanes players are raising their stock heading into the matchup against Virginia. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much to the everydayers for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. I am certainly not overlooking this game against the Virginia Cavaliers, nor should you, nor should Miami's coaches and players. Overall, Virginia, big picture, has been really bad this year, but they just did last week what Miami couldn't do the week prior, and that's go into Chapel Hill and upset the North Carolina Tar Heels. So if you believe in momentum, you would think Virginia has some of that heading down to South Florida this week. Now, hopefully Miami also has momentum after beating Clemson. Miami is obviously a better football team than Virginia. You just have to play like it. You have to avoid those costly mistakes. But we'll tell you whose stock is on the up and up from the Clemson game into the Virginia game because it's time for that Kane stock report. And we're going to try to give you as good advice as Uncle Louie would give you. Hey, kid, come here. Come here. I got a hot tip for you. Forget about the stocks this week. We're buying all the Bitcoins. I don't exactly know what a Bitcoin is. They tell me it's only on the computer. It's not real coins, but we're buying all of them this week. Thank you, Uncle Louie. And we're going to give you guys uh, updates on Kane stocks as well. Um, you know, this one, I feel like a broken record because we've been talking about this guy all week, but boy, does he deserve it. Ruben Bain stock is absolutely soaring. The offensive coordinator at Virginia is Des Kitchings. And I don't think Des Kitchings is getting a whole lot of sleep this week as he prepares his team to face Quattro Quattro, as we now call him. Ruben Bain. We talked about the two sacks, the force fumble, the two quarterback hits, the tackles for loss. Here's another thing that Ruben did last week against Clemson. Ten quarterback pressures. That was the most of any defensive player in the nation in week eight. Ruben Bain was terrorizing the backfield more than anyone else. Stock is absolutely soaring. Leonard Taylor's stock is most definitely up this week. LT just had a season-high 56 snaps in the game against Clemson, and the formation tweak that Miami used in that game, and they may continue to go this way with a 3-3 because, you know, they've been so banged up on the defensive line that just this just suits the personnel better, but it also suited Leonard Taylor better because he got to line up at nose, blowing up the center. He was in his bag. He told us he thrived in that role. Lance Guidry said he did as well. So if we see more of that moving forward, I, I have a feeling Leonard Taylor is going to continue to trend up. Emery Williams, he definitely improved his long-term stock. There's no question about that. True freshman quarterback. He showed he can spread the football out. He can make big throws, accurate throws, and he can take care of the football. And the moment was not too big for him. 
right? I mean, he's down 10 points in the fourth quarter and he engineers two big time drives to tie up the game and he was sound in overtime as well. So long term, no question, Emery has improved his stock. In the short term, it does sound like Tyler Van Dyke is going to return this week, but it's good to know that Emery Williams is ready to play when needed, you know, whether that's this week or any other time this year that he is capable of stepping up. Now, the team obviously stepped up around him because that was a team victory against Clemson. That wasn't all on Emery, but he was a big part of that, and it's good to know he can do that job when called upon. You know who else raised their stock? Francis Mauinoa. That was his best game of the season at right tackle. You want to know how many pressures CC allowed in the game? 0.0. Big goose egg. The entire O-line was awesome. They gave up zero sacks and four combined pressures. None of those were given up by CC, and he was also really good run blocking as well. So, I mean, we've known this, but the future is really, really, really bright for that true freshman. Rashard Smith, stock is up. I think we found our secret weapon. This guy can line up anywhere and make an impact. In high school, he played running back and wildcat quarterback. He's primarily a receiver at Miami, but he can do all of those things. I mean, he was lined up as a running back when he made the big play. He's also really dangerous as a return man. And when you think about explosive plays, Miami needed to make more of those in general, but Clemson's defense, they just don't give those up. Um, 80 yards. That was the longest play they've given up all year. Probably the longest they will give up all year. And it was Brashard Smith that did that to them. So that was huge. Uh, going back to the defense, Corey flag, my goodness, he significantly raised his stock on Saturday. His stock has been rising all year though. He's been showing great range, quickness, instincts. He's been tackling really well. Corey flag is top seven on the team in tackles, even though he's not a regular starter. And the tackle for loss he made to secure the game in second overtime, double overtime, that was that was awesome. And I was so happy he got that. Uh, staying with the linebackers, Kiko Mauinoa. He's raised his stock in every game so far. Last week was not an exception. I mean, what an awesome addition in the transfer portal. Miami's starting middle linebacker. He leads the Canes in tackles. He also has two sacks, an interception, two forced fumbles on the year. And I got to say this again, just in case the ACC officials are watching this. I don't think they have the power to find me. I don't, I don't think they do. But guys, he had a safety. You robbed the man of a safety last week. He should have that on his resume as well. Uh, A.J. Allen and Colby Young, they both raised their stock. I mean, you talk about clutch. The game-tying drive in the fourth quarter, that was the Colby Young drive. And then A.J. Allen gets the touchdown and the two-point conversion in second overtime. So Allen and Young, awesome job. Uh, as far as whose stock is falling, not rising, man, somebody whose stock is falling, and I hate to say it because I like him a lot, and I don't know everything that's going on behind the scenes, but Jakari Brown, we know he's redshirting this year. He's confirmed that, but... When someone's redshirting, they can play in up to four games without burning the redshirt. And the coaching staff apparently decided last week that Emory Williams gave the team a better chance to win. Uh, but still, at the same time, man, I I keep rooting for Jakari because I know how good he is. And he's a weapon. If we can find a way to get him on the field and use him, he's an absolute weapon. Uh, Stock is also down on the tight end room. All right. 
Now, I'm not really putting it so much on the individuals, more on the situation, because the tight ends are just, they're not getting used in the passing game. Riley Williams and Cam McCormick uh, against Clemson, they had a combined two targets and six receiving yards. Let me be clear. I'm not saying their stock is down because they're both playing really hard and blocking well, but the stock is down just on the way the tight ends are being used. So I really love both of those players. And I also love Elijah Arroyo, who has been working his way through injuries. So that is the stock report for this week. But we're only getting started, my friends, on this episode of Locked on Canes because I'm going to be answering awesome questions from you guys. You guys want to know about the quarterback room, about defensive tackle uh, recruiting, about Miami's aspirations for the remainder of this year because obviously the Canes are they are not going to be a college football playoff team. Uh, a lot of things would have to go their way to win the ACC, but there's still a ton to play for, my friends. So we'll talk about goals and so much more. You know what you want to do? You want to keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. Guys, supply chain shortages, things happen in the world, guys, that can they can test these things, my friends. A lot of uncertainty, and it's important to be prepared, whether it's unrest in the Middle East, fires in Hawaii, hurricanes and tornadoes in Florida. You need to get yourself a Jace case from Jace Medical. The Jace case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics to treat most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on yours and your family's unique needs. It's so important to have these guys because, again, when you need these medications, you can't always be sure they're available to you on a moment's notice. Jace Case allows you to be prepared in advance. You want to go to jacemedical.com and enter code Locked On at checkout for a $20 discount. That's promo code Locked On at jasemedical.com. We are also brought to you by the awesome folks at FanDuel. I'm having so much fun this football season, guys. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. Miami Hurricanes are actually 18.5-point favorites home against UVA. I, yes, the same UVA that just upset North Carolina. Miami is favored to win big, so we're going to be talking more about that number later this week, and I don't want anyone to fall into the trap of thinking that's going to be an easy dub. But if you want to bet on it one way or the other, visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Thank you so much to the everydayers. And if you want to take your everydayer experience to the next level, sign up for our Locked on Canes Insiders SMS texting group. You get text messages directly from my phone to yours, breaking news, recruiting updates, insights and show previews, and one-on-ones. I answer your questions on there. And on a day like today, questions you guys ask me on Locked on Canes Insiders get answered on the show. So sign up and try it free for 14 days by clicking the link in the show description below. And then if you like it, you can opt in for $4.99 a month, and we give you a lot of added value on there. 
All right, we get a question from Stephen C., who says, how do you see the quarterback room looking next year? Who stays, who goes pro, or who transfers? Gee, Steven, you're throwing 98-mile-an-hour heat, like first question of uh, of the chat. Um, okay, that's it. Okay, I, I can tell you Emery Williams will definitely be back. <laughs> uh, I can tell you Judd Anderson will be coming in as a true freshman. Uh, the thing is, it's now, honestly, if you were just to go by today, a, a lot can change between right now and April. But if you go by today, I don't think Tyler Van Dyke right now, based on the way the Georgia Tech game and the UNC game played out, I don't think he would get a favorable draft grade. But the first four games of the year were kind of telling a different story. So uh, right now, though, I know that there are people breaking down his tape, NFL scouts. like oh, I don't know if this guy is ready to be more than like a six-round pick right now. Uh, so... I mean, if you go, if, if we're going to do like a stock report today, that's what we did in the first segment. Right now, you would say, hey, there's a good chance Tyler Van Dyke could come back for a final year. Um, I don't know. Like a, a lot of people are asking me, and we got a few questions about it. You know, if Jakari Brown might transfer. Uh, man, I, I hate speculating on that kind of stuff. I hate it because we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And we do know he was happy to redshirt this year because he wants to develop as a passer. So... I think there's a decent chance Van Dyke is back. Emery Williams definitely back next year and Judd Anderson coming in as a true freshman. Now, if Tyler Van Dyke were to leave, I think Miami would try to bring in a veteran in the transfer portal. Even if he's not necessarily the starter over Emery, you would want to bring in a veteran to solidify that room. That way, you know, Judd Anderson wouldn't have to be, you know, the primary backup in his first season. So I could definitely see, transfer portal if Tyler Van Dyke does not come back next year get a question from that dude 239 who says Dono do you believe that win over Clemson can be a program changer I know this is not the dominant Clemson from the past years but it's still Clemson a team who has kicked our ass the last couple of meetings and also a team that's really talented uh I think it's a huge moral boost for the team uh I'm gonna try to be level-headed on this one that dude because the same way you know, when Miami lost to Georgia Tech, a lot of Hurricanes fans were like, that's it. There's no coming back from this. We're not going to win another game all year. Cristobal lost the team. Uh, this whole thing is spiraling out of control. Did I overreact to that? No, I didn't. I still saw the big picture, and I still thought Miami could bounce back. And, you know, two weeks later, they get a big win against Clemson. So if I'm going to avoid getting two down based on a loss or two, I'm also not going to get too high based on a win. That was a really, really good win for Miami. Is it going to be a program changer? I think that's yet to be seen, right? Here's the thing. The program changer would be the Hurricanes finishing this season 9-3 and three or 10-2. and two. Florida State is going to be tough to beat, of course. But if Miami can finish this season strong, win a bowl game, Show some momentum heading into next year. That'll be the program changer. I don't know. I mean, listen, this was the seventh game of the year. There's still a lot more football left to play. So um, I will say um, that win showed signs that the program is changing because I can't remember the last time I saw dominance at the line of scrimmage like that on both sides of the football against a really good fit. Miami also did a good job physically against Texas A&M, but against Clemson, uh, and again, Clemson's got four and five stars on the defensive and offensive line, and Miami just completely outmuscled them. So that was a really, really good sign. 
on the flip side of that comment, we get this comment from Josh who says, I'm so aggravated about celebrating games that we should win. I'm sick of overhype anytime we beat a BS team and people pretend it's a great win. We suck, he says. Again, this is embarrassing. Let's talk about it. Let me know what you think we're good at, and I'll destroy your idea and give you facts. <laughs> Josh, if you need a good meditation app, I can recommend a few for you, okay? This guy's mad that we were happy about beating Clemson. Dude, get a grip. Uh, we get a couple of questions from Hercule, who says, uh, any chance of reflipping Armando Blunt, or has that ship sailed? Hard to believe that Ruben Bain wouldn't be in his ear after the success that he's having. Uh, yeah, I I think based on the way that this played out, I I don't think I don't think Blunt is flipping back to Miami. I'm just being real here. I think the ship has sailed there. I, I think probably if you're talking about flips, probably the best chance Miami would have to flip a top defensive lineman would be Dylan Stewart. Remember him? He committed to South Carolina. And South Carolina's garbage. Like that team is two and five. They're terrible. So maybe, maybe that's somebody who gives another look to other schools. Uh, Hercule also asks, or he says, people aren't giving Leonard Taylor enough credit for the Clemson game. He had just as much impact as Bain, if not more, but just not on the stat sheet. Uh, yeah, but did he have more? I don't know if he had more impact than Bain, just as much. I don't know. But Leonard Taylor, he was awesome in that game. We did give him credit on this show. And we spoke to him yesterday. He had media availability, huge smile on his face. And yeah, he had a lot of fun playing at the nose. And hopefully we see more of that. Uh, we get a comment from Pat Mack who says, hey, not a question, but another observation. Everyone is saying that Clemson, the Clemson win is the biggest win of the Mario Cristobal era. It was a great win, but let's not forget about the win over the Aggies. I think that was a bigger win because nobody gave us a chance. Everyone has been saying that Clemson is a down team. Uh, may there be a bunch of big wins coming this year and years to come. It's an indication of how far we've fallen that we beat our chests over a win like this. The old Canes would have been pissed that we had to go to overtime. Thank you for all your hard work. Right. I mean, listen, uh, yeah, if, if, if that win happened in, you know, 2000, 2001, 2003, 1989. Yeah, you're right. They were like, it took overtime to beat these guys, but. I'll remind everyone, it ain't 1989. It's 2023. Miami hadn't beaten Clemson since 2010. Uh, so I, I get what you're saying. And also, as far as uh, what do you guys think? Was Texas A&M a bigger win than the Clemson game? Was it a bigger win? Um, see, I, I'm going to say the Clemson win was a little bit bigger because it was a conference win because we, you know, we had. We play Clemson pretty frequently in the ACC. We hadn't beaten them in 13 years. We had lost the last four convincingly. And anytime you get a double overtime win, it's just exciting. I was having heart palpitations like crazy. I think the Clemson win was the bigger win. If you guys feel differently, let me know. We get one from Explorer Sam who says, I love this question. ACC referees. What the hell? <laughs> It feels like they're trying to get us to leave the league out of sheer frustration. I mean, you had a front row seat to Mario's frustration. What can we do? Now, yeah, he's talking about the Mario frustration. So when uh, when Susan from the Herald asked him about the safety, Cristobal was like, his answer was, if I could break this podium right now, I would. <laughs> That's how frustrated he is about that. 
so what can you do? Listen, ACC referees have been making bad calls against Miami for over a decade. This is nothing new. Uh, unfortunately, it seems like all you can do is you have to get so dominant and so disciplined that you don't put the referees in position to screw you. That if you take care of all your business, ball security, maybe next time you go for a safety, uh, you, you drive them even farther back into the end zone, just all you can do is play hard and play disciplined and just keep your fingers crossed that the officials don't hose you. Now, to be fair, obviously the officials were were awful last week. I thought they were actually pretty fair to Miami against North Carolina. So it doesn't happen 100% of the time, but it happens like 99% of the time that Miami gets the short end of the stick with those ACC referees. All right, we'll, we'll answer more of your questions when we come back. What else do we have here on the horn? Oh, a question about developing three-star players. A uh, question about the health of the running back room. A question about players, uh, draft-eligible players possibly returning. We got so much to get to, my friends. We ain't done yet right here on this episode of Locked on Canes. I'm certainly not done with eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up with peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, so much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. On a Wednesday, it's kind of almost Friday, right? We're getting closer. Every Friday, Locked on College Football Kickoff Live. 11 a.m. to noon live right here on this and every Locked On College YouTube channel. I have the privilege of co-hosting that show with Drake Toll and Kenton Gibbs. We preview all the big games, all the big storylines, Heisman race, coaches on the hot seat. We bring it all to you 11 a.m. every Friday on Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. I don't want to speed through, speedball through more of these questions here. Oh, we get a question from T who says, so instead of freaking out about the lower-starred players, why don't we just recruit the good players that need coaching, the two- and three-stars that have heart? Um, yeah, listen, um, you know, obviously, you like to get five-stars when you get a chance to. Miami has missed out on some five-star defensive tackles specifically. Uh, I will say, though, I mean, there is something to your point there, T, because the philosophy of Alonzo Highsmith it really starts with him when it comes to the, well, Mario as well. I'm not going to take that away from him, but Mario and Alonzo at the top of that recruiting food chain, they definitely, um, they make sure that four and five star players that they recruit have four and five star personalities and work ethic because the star system is not perfect. Sometimes five stars truly are the top dogs at every aspect, but other times, Five stars can be overrated or not scouted correctly or, you know, personality flaws are overlooked. So, yes, uh, this coaching staff does try to find those diamonds in the rough. And sometimes they're way ahead of the curve 
in scouting certain players. Emery Williams being a prime example of that. Emery Williams, who was uh, heavily rated by Miami long before other schools started to realize, oh, this guy can sling it. He was an Elite 11 finalist last year. Miami was way ahead in his recruitment. So your point is taken. I mean, listen, sometimes five stars are five stars for good reason. Other times there are three stars out there that should be four or five stars. We get, we get a comment or question from Sammy who says, Ruben Bain has a real chance of being an All-American, not just freshman All-American. What do you think are the chances of him making it? Uh, Sammy, right now, Ruben Bain is one of the top six graded defensive linemen in the country, and he's ascending. Like He's getting better as the games go on. He keeps playing like this. You'd have a hard time telling me he's not one of the four best defensive linemen in America, and he could be a first-team All-American. Freshman All-American, he basically has that on lockdown seven games into the year, but he's on track to creep into regular All-American territory as well. I'm with you. We get one from Maryland Kane who says, What's up, Dono? When do you think Mark Fletcher will be back? Is there a chance that he redshirts because of his missed games? Um, I, I don't know because, and again, like Miami doesn't, as you know, Miami doesn't give us a lot of information on injuries. Uh, my understanding is it's going to be a couple few more weeks for Fletcher. So, I mean, if he were to be able to come back by mid November and maybe play in the last three games of the year, um, I think that might be worth it because he's going to help you win some of those games potentially. So if the timetable is what I think it is, I don't think we'll be talking red shirt. I think we'll just be talking about Fletcher finishing the season strong because Miami's had other bumps and bruises in the running back room. I think Henry Parrish is going to be okay this week. Don Chaney, I'm not positive what his status is going to be for this Saturday. So I, I think Fletcher is going to be needed as soon as he's ready to come back. We get a question from Leeds who says, Hey, was the the decision to go to overtime, was that a product of a freshman being in the game at quarterback, or is that just Mario's MO, no matter who the quarterback is? Yeah, you're talking about Miami uh, slow playing it and basically allowing the clock to run out. Um, there are multiple factors. Freshman at quarterback is one of those, because I'm not sure how comfortable Emory Williams would have been running a two-minute drill. The offense was very deliberate all game long. Don Chaney getting hurt right at the start of that drive, which took a pass protector out of your running back rotation. I think those were the primary factors. Now, Miami hasn't been in that exact situation before Saturday, but there were two times, not in the fourth quarter, but in the in the late in the second quarter, when Miami has had opportunities for two-minute drills or 90-second drills at the end of the first half. And the Hurricanes were aggressive downfield in those spots with Tyler Van Dyke. The Texas A&M game was one of those. So I think if Van Dyke had been in the game, I think Miami probably would have tried to win it in regulation. I don't think the coaching staff wanted to set up Emory Williams to make a mistake. That's my opinion. I know some people out there are like, yeah, we won the game, but we can't coach. This is terrible. I think there was a method to the madness. If you guys disagree, let me know, as I'm sure you will. Let me know in the comments, all right? We get a question from Omi One who says, oh, I like this one. A handful of teams have started to adopt, uh, or sorry, he says, um, where, where was that question? Oh, I know that this is a Canes show, but you sometimes cover the Dolphins. Have you seen any college teams do the tush push, he says. 
I would like to see the Canes try it. We have extra good linemen and big quarterbacks, he says. Uh, yeah, you know, the tush push is being you. Football is a copycat sport. LSU, Penn State, Minnesota, Oregon State are a handful of prominent programs who have started using the tush push. And Oregon State, actually, they ran a fake tush push that resulted in a 45-yard touchdown because they sold it against the defense. So it is starting to happen. And and that that's actually something um, I'm going to keep that in mind. You know, depending on what happens in this game, even if Miami doesn't ever use a tush push, I, I would like to ask Shannon Dawson about that. So I'm going to keep that one in mind to ask uh, the Hurricanes offensive coordinator about it. All right, let's see. Um, we got some questions about no, somebody asked me. Um, I, I apologize, I can't I can't find this question because we got so many, but somebody was asking me, do you think since you know Miami, obviously they're they're not gonna be a college football playoff team this year? Do you think a lot of the draft eligible players could decide to come back for next year to try to win a natty? Uh, first of all. We got to let the year play out because the draft, like I mentioned, Tyler Van Dyke, if you ask NFL scouts today, would be probably a third day pick. But if he can finish the season strong, he could get into the second day. Leonard Taylor, his stock is rising right now. Cam Kinchins, uh, it's hard to say that guy's not going to be a first round pick. James Williams could be a first, second or third round pick. So it's tough, man. I don't. I don't like to tell anyone how to manage their life, right? Like it, it'd be easy for me as a fan to say, come back, play another year. But let's remember getting into the national football league is childhood dream for anyone who ever plays football at this level. Right. So, you know, who knows? I mean, would it selfishly, would I like a lot of these guys to run it back for a final season? Absolutely. But uh, ask me that question again, before before bowl season and then we'll we'll have a, a bigger conversation about it but guys thank you so much for making locked on canes your first listen hit that like button if you're watching on youtube hit the thumbs up if you're listening to the audio version make sure uh you subscribe locked on canes on apple Podcasts, spotify google wherever you get your pods and we'll talk to you again tomorrow on another episode of locked on canes part of the awesome locked on podcast network your team every day